AMB Properties is Quincy's largest apartment rental company with hundreds of units available. They offer short-term and long-term rentals with one up to four bedroom apartments. AMB Properties meets the needs of its tenants with care, compassion, and a quality of service that exceeds expectations. AMB Properties also has a convenient tenant app for you to do your payments or make repair requests. Give them a call today. A&B Properties, 217-919-8080, Quincy. So my guest today is Brandon Van Camp, or as I like to call him, BVC. The, the BVC is in the house, and I notice you have a, a Carthage Middle School shirt on. Why is that? I do. So I took a job this year as the principal athletic director at Carthage Middle School. Uh, fifth through eighth grade, and uh, it's been significantly different than Quincy Senior High and in, in the uh, 2,000 students of 9 through 12. Okay. It's been significantly different? Significantly different. Like a school how? of uh, 180. And, you know, I think as you transition to the small school, it's a lot more conservative. Um, I know Quincy's a conservative town, but in in the school district itself i think it's it's a little bit more of a liberal education um sure very conservative small town feel which you know i mean uh i'm not saying one's better than the other just just different yeah it's probably nice to have a blend anyway i mean if you've got a conservative area and you're and you feel like you're conservative but you've got a liberal education i've always you know i mean i went to illinois state university for college and I, you know, these these um, liberal arts and um, and like a liberal education. You know, liberal used to uh, used to mean free, and I'm I'm not sure if you know liberty the Latin liber or li- library liberty. I'm not sure really. I'm not a Latin expert. I'm not a Latin expert. But um, I like the fact that uh, you've got. It's kind of fun that you got a new job. It, it is. It was. It was a really tough decision for my wife and I because. We have four children, and then now I'm working 41 miles away every day. So it it was a tough call, but it was something that I wanted to do, and um, I think it was an opportunity that I that I had to take, and it's it's been phenomenal. How long is your, your commute from Quincy to Carthage? 36 minutes door to door. Door so, to door? Yeah, people think it's a lot longer than that. People think Carthage, it's like, oh, you're driving 45 minutes a day? It's like, no. It's, it's 36 minutes. I, I leave the house at 7 o'clock, and I'm there by, like, 7.36, 7.38 at the latest. Big traffic in Carthage. I I remember the very first time I met you. It was a very long time ago. I think, uh, is it true that my sister, Gina, babysat you? <laughs> is that true? Yes, Gina was my babysitter. So my mom was Gina's teacher. and uh, I Her name? Mrs. Dawn Van Camp. I thought you were going to say Mrs. Mrs. Van Camp. I was going to say Mrs. Van Camp. <laughs> Um, Where'd she teach? So she taught at St. Peter's. She's now back at St. Peter's 23 years later. Um, and I think Gina was in eighth grade, and I would have been in fourth grade. Okay. She was babysitting me. Okay. Um, you know, she was she was really fun. I remember it vividly. So let's. Uh, so that's your mom, uh, Mrs. Van Camp, Don Van Camp. What about your dad? Most people know my dad. Um, my dad, Jeff, has been involved with a lot of stuff in the city. Park board, um, city council, um, library board, ran for mayor. Um, he's given a lot back to the city. Um, 
he's actually director of development at Chaddock, and um, I think he's been there 10 or 12 years maybe. Um, and he is just one of those people that, that just gives back. Um, I, I try to be <laughs> like him. I, I, I'm not sure that I'm living up to his standards, but I'm, uh, I'm a slower work in progress, I think, than he is. You do a lot of stuff, though, and we're going to get into that. Uh, so I'm, I like your dad a lot. I don't know. Um, I know who your mom is. I know of your mother. Uh, I feel like I know your dad a little bit better just because he's been more profile from my perspective over the past uh, decade that I've been back in Quincy. But you're, you're lucky to have a nice family. You've got a very nice family. It, it is really nice. And we still get together probably every other week. And there's 13 grandchildren. So okay. uh, it, they're very large gatherings just for the immediate family. Uh, all right. So as we kind of ease into this, uh, let's talk about your wife for a <laughs> moment. She's not here. It's not no. very nice to talk about people when they're not yeah, here. Yeah. But can you tell me a little about, about Ashley? Sure. So... My wife is the greatest person on the planet. And, and I'm not saying that because I'm trying to earn brownie points. Um, she's from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, she came here for college. I was actually her boss. Um, we ended up dating years later. Uh-oh. And uh, dated for a whole 13 months, got engaged, and, and got married three, three months after that. My grandfather was sick and dying, so we decided to do a very quick wedding. Uh, and he died like 28 days after we got married. Oh, but sorry. She is, she would be perfect on something like this. She is, uh, she has that special voice. It's hard to explain. She's the reason we're foster parents. She's a counselor at Quincy High School, and she just gives everything. And it's just, it, it's, it's rewarding to be married to her. I will say that. A lot of people, including, um, including a lot of our mutual friends are pretty impressed with your wife, Ashley. How many kids do you have? Uh, so we have four children, <clears throat> three biological. And as of last Thursday, we have officially adopted our daughter, Janila. So we got her through foster care in September of 2021. And we adopted her on October 26th of 2023. And she changed her last name, which is... Really she exciting. did? She did. It was totally up to her. It was not something we pushed. It was it was up to her. So her last name is Van Camp hyphenated Alexander now. Oh, fantastic. Well, I mean, I really hope she's listening to this. Her name is Janila. Her name is Janila. It's a beautiful name. But she went from an A to a V in the alphabet. So I, I told her that's going to be oh. a, a little bit of a struggle. It's an unintentional occupational yeah. hazard of being a Van Camp. So, uh, so your wife... Uh, so a couple of things that can I just kind of talk about? These are things that you know about yourself, but these are things that you and I have been talking about for a while now. Sure. So a couple of things you are, uh, you get to be placed into the real estate development um, classification because you bought a property on Sixth Street. Um, you have been a bar a bar owner. Um, kind of. I, well, bar runner. Me, bar runner, but yeah. So. Let's Business talk owner, about that. Bar runner. What bar did you run? Instant replay for four years or so. Okay, so you ran replay for four years. Yeah. I remember you um, calling me. We would text sometimes. It would be late at night, or you would have to. We'd be we'd be talking at like eleven o'clock on a Friday night or a Saturday <laughs> night, and you would say, "Ah, uh, yeah, I gotta go to the bar and and you know, um, stop this fight or or uh, change out this drawer or tell this bartender to." 
stop stealing or whatever it was. <laughs> but uh, you did that for four years. What was that like running replay? Was that a challenge? It was a challenge. It was really weird when um, when I was asked to do the opportunity. I actually got the phone call while we were in St. Louis at Barnes Hospital when my son was was really sick and um, <clears throat> and he, he was out of the woods at this point. It was two weeks later. He'd had surgery. They they expected him to make a full recovery. And I get this call, and I call my wife, and I'm like, you know, we someone offered me to do this, and I'm just like, I don't think we should do it. <laughs> like, she's like, we have to do it, and I'm like, I'm like Ashley, I don't think you realize how big of a commitment this is. And so we talked about it, <clears throat> and then we were going to say no, and then we talked about it some more, and then we ended up saying yes. And it was it was an incredible opportunity, and I'm thankful for for all parts of it because it it's what allowed me to buy a property down on Sixth Street. Um, you know, so I think it just helped me transition from one phase to another. And at that time, you were working in the Quincy Public School System, or almost. Almost. So when I, well, when I actually took it over, I was actually teaching at Payson, um, Payson Seymour. So I taught junior high uh, geography, English, and U.S. history there. When okay. you're in a small school, you kind of have to be like multi-talented and just teach whatever. What did ask. you teach at senior high? So senior high, I taught. Uh, freshman world history, sophomore U.S. history, and civics for um, 11th and 12th graders. Did you ever rub shoulders with the great Mike Scholl? Uh, many times. We uh, right. we were across the hall from each other, and uh, I actually just went out on parent-teacher conferences and <clears throat> talked about how much I missed just hanging out in between classes and talking because uh, it, it, I considered him a great friend, and it's it was fun to talk to him because, you know, we, we share a lot of the same ideas, and um, I, I think he, he's a great person to talk to because he's so intelligent and, and he can challenge, you know, and, um, you know, come at you with all these statistics and, and this background knowledge. And, and I, I know a lot of history, but he, he is far beyond what I know. What is it like to be married, um, teach full time? buy pieces of property downtown Quincy, renovate them into apartments, stay married, have the four kids, am I repeating myself <laughs> on the duties here, and being married, and doing all that stuff, and being married. You know, I make this joke that uh, they don't teach you, a lot of the stuff that, that I watch you do, um, they don't teach that in schools. Okay, so you talk about, you know, how your, um, your family, so you've got your mom and dad who are pretty big role models. Okay. Agreed. Kind of, kind of big shoes to f to fill, and you do a lot of things. So can I tell you something? I I don't know if I've ever told you this, but you are a very big dreamer. Okay. <laughs> you like to dream. I do so, like to dream so a lot. You're a big vision guy, and uh, you will dream so many different things, and you'll try to do all of them. And and <laughs> and so this is I'm going to say this on camera here. Sometimes not everything pans out exactly the way that you want it to pan out. And that happens to me too. I'll just, yeah. and we can talk about, you know, not failures, but things don't like when life throws you curveballs. you know, talking about you, you touched on your son, um, being in the hospital real quick, identify what that issue was at the time with your son, if you don't mind, I, I mean, yeah. it's kind of personal, but. So it was really weird. It's relevant. Um, we had had a child and, and she was eight months old, I think, when we found out we were having a second one that we were not expecting. And um, 
we go to the 20 week appointment and we have the amazing Dr. Fry. I don't know if you know Dr. Fry, Pam Fry. Um, she is always so backed up because she is so amazing and spends all this extra time with her patients. Anyways, I, <clears throat> I was actually a general manager for family video at the time. So I left work, go to the 20 week appointment. And I was like, Ash, I was like, I have to go back to work. My wife calls me in tears and she said, they found a heart defect on, on Oliver. And I was like, okay, so what's next? So we go to St. Louis, they identified, he had what's called uh, TGA, which is transposition of the great arteries. So basically his aorta and his pulmonary grew in the wrong spots. And so what your heart does is, you know, your blood goes to your heart and it oxygenates it and pumps it to the rest of your body. And for him, that was not happening. Um, so we knew he was going to be sick when he was born, but we don't know how sick. Like, it's just kind of a crapshoot. And uh, we get this team that comes from Barnes, and, and they're like, his oxygen's probably going to be in the 80s, and you can probably hold him for 30 minutes. And great, you know. He comes out, and um, Dr. Curry actually delivered him, and, and he was gray and not crying. It kind of makes me tear up just, like, thinking about it. Um, and I remember specifically what she said, and she just said, like, oh, no. The team rushes in, they grab him, and they take him next door, and he doesn't breathe for 45 minutes. They just bagged him. And my wife is getting sewn up at the time, and I'm FaceTiming her and, and showing her this on FaceTime. So like 45 minutes go by and they kind of stabilize him and they said, we're going to um, take him to St. Louis. And the doctor said, I'm going to do everything I can to get him there, but, but I can't promise anything. And I said, okay. At Bowling Green, I'm following the ambulance. My wife just gives birth. And so she's still in the hospital. They call and they said, he's not going to make it. His oxygen is at 13%. We just wanted to call and let you know that, that he's not going to make it to St. Louis. And, you know, I'm a Christian person, so I pray, and we get there, and he's alive. And they try this balloon procedure that's supposed to help, like, the oxygen flow in his heart. doesn't work. Ashley's not there yet, and I'm, like, the medical decision maker, which is not good. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm just, as much as I'm a big dreamer, I'm also kind of short-tempered, and um, I'm probably not the best in a situation like that. So they come to me and they're like, hey, we gotta put your son on ECMO or he's not gonna make it. And I said, you know, what's his chances of survival? And she said, I don't like to give percentages. I said, look, they told me he was gonna die. Just tell me what it is. And she said, medium at best. And I said, okay. And I signed, put him on ECMO. Then he got a brain uh, or a blood clot in his brain and um, surgery five days later and just kept getting better. And now he's in kindergarten at St. Peter's. Wow, good story. It's awesome. Um, and his scar's awesome. His scar's awesome? Yeah, it's, it's, it's legit. It, it's like Tony Stark, you know. Oh, really? Like, yeah. how big is it? Um, probably six inches still. Okay. Now, it'll shrink as he gets older, obviously. Sure. But, like, it's, it's pretty sweet. All right. Well, I, I don't know if he'll listen to this, but if he is, you are the man, buddy, <laughs> for uh, doing all that, you know, overcoming something like that. I mean, he'll never remember it. No. But uh, uh, maybe, thank goodness. So you, you do a lot of stuff, Brandon. Um, you know, you were talking about how you were a, a manager at Family vi uh, Video. <laughs> yeah. I know you've, um, I'm not saying you've jumped around a lot. I'm not saying that. I but, have. but what I'm saying is you have worked and worked and worked towards all of your goals. 
and you try to tackle really big things. And one of the biggest reasons why we had you on this pod is because you are a person who lives in Quincy, teaches in Carthage. So you spend an enormous amount of time in Carthage, Illinois as well. Absolutely. And, and you're just one of those people that we had to have on. You do so much stuff. Uh, how do, what is your, how do you do it? First of all, how do you do it? And how do you keep the family together, your career together? I, I take it you're even a continue. I, well, I thought you said that you're going to continue some of your education and try to <sighs> pursue another goal. So yeah. my, my first question is, how do you do it? What, what is your baseline reference? What do you do to keep yourself as grounded as you can to move forward through your goals? Well, <clears throat> number one, my wife is an extreme organizer. Um, so we have, if you saw my calendar, it's planned out through like next year. So everything is planned. Everything is down to the minute, um, which helps. So the other, the other way I, I think is just determination. Um, you know, I, I think my wife thinks I have this issue where I, if people tell me I can't do something, then I'm going to work extra hard just to prove they're wrong. She's like, I'm not even sure that you want to do it or if you just want to prove them wrong. And I'm like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's fairly accurate. Um, but I am, I am going to start my PhD in the fall. Um, so I'd like to get my superintendent's license. I don't know how we're going to do that yet. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But, um, you know, I, I just, I, it really is true. I think you can do whatever you set your mind to. It's just how hard are you willing to work? And when I interviewed for the current job that I'm, that I'm at, they asked about, you know, commuting and all this stuff. And, and I told them, I said, well, I said, I have a baby boomer work ethic. You know, if you're of Gen X or older, you know what that means. I mean, I just, I will work and um, I will work until I can't anymore physically. And then I will go home and, and give everything I have to my kids and to my wife until it's time to go to bed. And if it means sleeping four hours, then that's what it means. Uh, what are you currently teaching? Do what? What are you currently teaching? Teaching? Well, so I'm not teaching anything. Oh, you're not teaching because yeah. you're because yeah. you're on the show. So I'm an administrator out there. Um, I, I was supposed to only be the athletic director, and then um, they, they didn't have a principal, so then I just assumed that role as well. So. Um, okay, so you're doing both of those. Yeah, it was kind of a shock. How long have you been doing this? Just, this is the first year. Did you get permission from them to do this podcast? No. What? Well, if they're listening. Actually, I did tell them I was doing it. Yeah. Well, we're going to say really nice things. Do you want to say something uh, awesome about Carthage and, and the people you work with? Because I've heard really good things about that area. Well, here's what I'll tell you. In Quincy, a lot of people hate Quincy Notre Dame because they're good. Like, they're good at sports. And in the small schools, people hate Carthage because they're good. We got third in state for boys baseball. We got fourth in state for girls golf, fifth in state for boys golf. Um we qualified for state for cross country, and we went to sectionals for um, softball. And um, I think last year they went for state, or went to state and won four pieces of hardware at state. I mean, they're they're phenomenal at sports. They they have a really good work ethic. It's it's awesome. And my staff is 
amazing. And I'm not just saying that. Like, it's, it's, it's been refreshing to work with just really good educators. So you're at, you're at the middle school. Yes. And then the high school is called? Illini West. So okay. it's actually a different district because they co-opted, I think, 17 years ago with um, Dallas City and La Harpe, which I've never been to either of those. So. Okay. Well, is it all together now? Is Illini West? Yes. Carthage? So Carthage is, they have two schools. They have a K-4 and then a 5-8 and then Illini West. So Dallas City and La Harpe have their own K-8 through schools. And then everybody comes to Illini West. And it all converges. Yes. That way, yeah. We've got some, um, we've got a, um, a, there's some Illini West um, people that come and, and train legally. Legally, I'm not getting anybody in trouble. Legally. Okay, and it hasn't happened in years. And I'm just gonna stop talking right now before I get anybody in tr trouble. But uh, all of the people from that area that I ever talked to, they all have a certain kind of a feel to them. Kind of patriotic, hundred uh, percent. Um, uh, hardworking, a uh, lot of a lot of uh, people that understand how to get dirty and work the land. And I think uh, you know you can see you can see the constellations in the night sky over there. Carthage is also famous for the execution of Joseph Smith, the Mormon leader, right across. They're the street famous for that. Yeah, the the Mormons come every year to tour the jail where Joseph Smith was executed. It's like a hundred yards from my office. Well, that's, is that, that, that doesn't sound very good, yeah. but, but pretty famous for it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so one of the, one of the things that I want to talk to you about is we need to have one of our normal Frankie Brandon conversations about the world. Okay. So sure. we're going to play since you are kind of a, well, you are a, you've been a history teacher. You, you have you ever taught, uh, civics? Yes. I, yeah. Taught civics. Okay, taught government? Yeah. Taught history? Yeah. Okay, so you've done a lot of this. Yes. And you like talking about these kinds of things. Dude. There's a lot of current events that that are going on right now. Can we play a game where we do <laughs> sure. kind of a speed round? Sure. So are you allowed to give your opinion? Do you need to, so if I ask you a question and you don't like it, you say pass. Okay. Okay, and all it means is we'll assume you know the answer. We'll assume that you have your own opinion formulated but you're making a quick, educated guess on not worth it, not worth to even talk about. Okay. Okay. So let's do this. Let's start with kind of, uh, well, if we start playing this game, and all of a sudden you feel like you're going to get yourself into trouble, just say, I don't like this game. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, because I don't want to get you into trouble. But um, United States, what is the job as president of the United States, the general job, like for example, is he supposed to be making policy or, or is he supposed to be executing the policy? Does the president make laws? The president is supposed to execute laws, not, okay. not make laws. Oh, so cause it's be, the executive branch. Yeah. Okay. Does the U S president make laws sometimes like through, <laughs> they shouldn't, but, um, the presidency has changed, I think, over the course of really the last 20 years. I think it's just, it's a different office. I don't even know if it's, the office holds the respect that it used to. Um, you know, it used to be even, if you didn't like the party that was in, you respected it. And I just, I mean, we, we are so far from that now, I think, that um, 
it, it makes it difficult at times. So the president can issue a lot of executive orders, which is pretty much um, making law by fiat, by decree, just saying, this is what I want, and then it, they do that. Uh, do you think the president should be doing things like that? By the way, they, they all do it. It's not like one side does it and the other side does. I mean, it goes back and forth. The different EOs that have been gone up by Obama and Bush and Clinton and Trump, I mean, all the presidents do it. Do you think they should do it more or less? I, I think they should do it less. Um, I think we've become jaded in a sense. If, if our party is not in, then we look at whatever they've done under a microscope. And, you know, whether it's Trump or Obama, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, you know, they're going to look at whatever they did and, and they're going to be jaded about it. And I think they should, I think it should be less. I mean, Congress is in place to make laws. I mean, there's a process, right? I mean, like I used to do an activity with my students, how a bill becomes a law, right? I mean, it's this process and it has to go through all three branches of government. It's checks and balances. And I think we've kind of got away from the checks and balance part. Okay, fair enough. Uh, immigration, should the border be open or closed? Pass. Pass. Um, healthcare, should everyone have healthcare? Should all citizens, uh, I, I'm not asking if you want nationalized healthcare or the current system. I'm saying, do you want every American to have healthcare? It's kind of a weird loaded question the way, the way I'm raising it. Yeah, I want every American to have healthcare. Okay. I, I don't know how that looks. It could look a lot of different ways, but yes, I want everybody to have healthcare or at okay. least access to healthcare. The strength of the US dollar, is it going up or down? I think the U.S. dollar is in significant trouble. Um, I think the U.S. economy is in significant trouble. Um, you do? I, I do. Even though with a positive GDP and and historically low unemployment? I, I, I do. I look at the things China is doing, and I think they are playing the long game, and we are playing the short game right now. And short term, the United States is the super, superpower for the next 30 years, 2050, 2060. I can't, I can't, I can't, so I can't solidify my opinion and say, yes, the United States is the supreme superpower, whether it's economically. And I know that our economy is more than double China's right now. We're number one, they're number two. I mean, that's a massive difference, but still, I, I think we need to make some changes or long-term the United States is, is, is going to be in a lot of trouble. The BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, they're gaining a lot of support with a lot of the Middle Eastern countries. And I know that um, there's some stuff happening right now in the Middle East, just a lot of turmoil. And, you know, it's like a, it's a 5,000 year old problem. But um, do you think, um, do you know anything about cryptocurrency? Yeah, well, enough. So have you ever have you ever heard of a CBDC? It's a a central bank digital coin, and I've heard that China is working on that right now. I have not, but that sounds dangerous. It is dangerous. <laughs> if, if you want my honest opinion. Yeah. Um, do you think that um, do you think China is our biggest enemy, or, and if not, who is America's biggest enemy? I think if you asked America, they would say Russia, but. After watching Russia versus Ukraine, I don't know that they pose the threat. I think China poses a double threat. I think 
China's economy is growing. And then if you look at it at the military, China is hiding a lot of stuff from us. Their technology rivals our technology. I mean, it 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 scares me. Our military is currently shrinking. We're we're producing less military vessels right now. There are less vessels on the ocean than there were five years ago. There are more Chinese vessels. Their military is growing, ours is shrinking. I mean, now, are we still the greatest military power? <laughs> Probably, but is the gap closing? 100%. Did you see the last 60 Minutes episode? Um, actually, I shouldn't say last one. It was maybe two Sundays ago. So I love 60 Minutes. I do too. And um, I think CBS, um, that the invention of 60 Minutes is, uh, is kind of unrivaled. I, no matter what you want to say about legacy media, um, and Muddy River is probably my, my, my favorite media organization, but as far as CBS is concerned, 60 Minutes is phenomenal. And I try to watch it every time. I, I rarely miss it. As a matter of fact, in my house, you've got four kids, I've got three. Um, when 60 Minutes is on, everyone knows to simmer down, be quiet. And like <laughs> either watch it and learn something or go someplace and read. That's pretty much, and because we're getting ready for the Sunday night football game, yeah. my wife and I are, and the kids are getting ready for bed. They have to lay out their outfits, which they wear a uniform for school, so it's not very difficult. They just have to find the stuff and they have to lay out everything the night before. And and so it's we try to be as organized as possible. But when 60 Minutes comes on, I watch. And two Sundays ago, I think uh, President Biden was on. And the question was posed, is our military okay? Can we handle this um, these multiple military actions? You know, there's one, a really big one, we're kind of fighting a war by proxy in Ukraine um, against Russia. And it looks like we could be, well, we're not fighting the second one yet, but it looks like we would back Israel. I agree, we've, Israel, we've always, we've always backed, backed Israel. Israel. I mean, Israel has been, basically under the United States protection since, when was it formed, 47? 48. 48? Yeah. So the, the question, and I can't, I can't remember if it was Leslie Stahl or, or who the interviewer was, but the reporter, the journalist asked, can America handle this? Did you happen to see that clip? Can I tell you what was said? I, I did not see the clip, but you can tell me what was said. Okay, well then I get to impersonate the president. <laughs> All right, good. He says, we're the United States of America, for crying out loud. Of course we can. We can handle that. We can handle anything you throw at us. We're the greatest military power in the world. No, we're the greatest power in the, in the history of the world. And he said it with a lot of hubris. And I'm not saying, in this moment, I'm not, I'm not attacking the president or making fun or going against him. It's not a, it's not a partisan thing for me. It's just the amount of hubris it bothers me that a, a, a president, any leader, any leader would say with so much confidence, which I guess you gotta project, you gotta project strength. I'm glad the United States projects strength. That is good. And yeah, we wanna be confident, but. But if we get into, if we get sucked into that war, what do you kind of see happening? Huh. Well, to go back to the original statement, I don't know that we're the greatest military power ever. I mean, is it relative? Maybe, but well, like, what would be a greater military? You could argue that Rome. Um, we we, Relati- we have not we have okay. not we're we've made it a quarter of what Rome has made it. So like, let's just hit, pump the brakes on that. Um, but second, 
I don't know because there are so many nations against the United States. I mean, if you look at the Middle East, everybody pretty much is our enemy. And you've got China, you've got Russia. These big nations are, they want what we have. I mean, that, that's what people want. They want what America has, and which is financial success, you know. Would they say they want what we have? Because no. we're the great Satan. The West is the great Satan. Agreed. Maybe not the United States so much as its as its own, but in my opinion, the way that I've heard these Muslim countries, uh, and the reason why I'm saying Muslim, I'm not against Muslims at all. As a matter of fact, I went to Amazon and bought the bought, bought the Holy Quran, and I've read it, and it is extremely interesting, and I'm not against it. As a Christian person, I don't mind saying that. I mean, Jesus has mentioned multiple. I think Jesus is mentioned 36 times. Something like that. And the Virgin Mary is mentioned multiple times as well. Is she is she in there as a virgin or is she in there that just remember, as the mother know, of Jesus? I know Mary is mentioned on a variety of, of occasions in the Quran. Interesting. Yeah, because they... Did you know this? So do you know what the... Arabic word for God is. So when you're talking about um, God and you want to use the Arabic word, do you know what the Arabic word is? It's Allah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Allah, if you're Allah. from Quincy. Yeah. Allah. <laughs> Allah. Allah. So, and I, and, and I don't want to say that name in vain. I'm just saying in context here. But this idea whenever, um, so I'm of the, I've, um, I'm on of the impression that whenever you're talking about God, if I talk about God, I feel like I can say Allah. I feel like I can say that. That doesn't make me a Muslim, but it's the Arabic word. So yeah. when you when you say that word, that's what it, that's what that word means. So if you say what is the word for God in Arabic, that's the word. If you say the the word in Yahweh. in English, it's I guess it's God. Yeah, or Yahweh, Jewish, right? Yeah. So man, this is really interesting. So this is this is what happens when you and I talk. Okay. <laughs> This is why all of our conversations are kind of yeah, podcast material. So Yahweh, and if there are any Jewish scholars out there, you can go ahead and email me and tell me that I'm wrong. But so Yahweh is the original um, Hebrew word for God. And I guess it came from this more of this, uh, I, I, I'm not sure if the English is Yahweh or not, but the idea is, have you ever heard of a... Um, this idea that they used to say the word early, early, early on in ancient, ancient, uh, even like Mesopotamia and, okay. and that whole region where they would just say, whew, whew. that I do not know because it's the idea of God. The name of God is in the wind. Oh. The sound the yeah. wind makes is the name of, of the creator. Okay. And I guess when you add in the, if you take away the vowels in Yahweh, you get. Oh, that makes sense. This kind of a neat thing, right? Yeah. So anybody who wants to talk about the big guy, the creator, then you can use any word you want and nobody should give you any jazz for it. Say it however you want to say it. As long as you start, as, as soon as you start getting into factions and saying my religion is better. And if you don't like what I say, I'm going to hurt you. I mean, even Christians can't agree. I, I agree. I mean, how many different denominations are there? I mean, for, I think Christian. I think the Catholic Church has split three thousand times, something like that. And Islam 
is split. Is that your phone or somebody else's phone? Not mine. All right, I'm on vibrate. But you know this idea of uh, of people fighting yeah. over um, over their religion is kind of odd. But what's going on in the Middle East is people fighting over territory, and a lot of people in that area, I guess, they don't like Israel. They don't like the Jewish people, and um, it's quite a problem. So I had on uh, Dr. Coffee from QU. He was my professor. He's he's he was very knowledgeable. Yeah. So this guy in the green room, he was unloading just so much good information. And during the pod, unloading a lot of of great information. And after the podcast, just saying he's very educated. And um, so, I I mean, I've had Mike Scholl on, I've I've got you, and it's nice having people on that can talk about history. Um, I asked Dr. Coffey what he thought was gonna happen in the Middle East. And he said, if Iran gets involved, it's it's kind of like game over. I don't think that's an if. I think they are involved. You think My they are going to get involved? I, I I think they're already funding Hamas. Well, Hamas trained in Iran. Yeah, I think they're funding them and they are pushing this agenda. And Iran is backed by Russia and is backed by China. Just follow the money. It and Iran is our most hated enemy, or, or they hate us the most in the Middle East. I think. I think it's just uncovering the truth at this point. Did you see what happened yesterday with Yemen? Yes. So Yemen, who I think they're pretty much governed by the Houthis, aren't they? Yeah. They pretty much said death to Israel. They they declared war against Israel. What does the United States do if all these countries start to converge on Israel? Well, it, it depends. Do we have a neocon in the White House or not? I'll tell you right now. Nikki Haley, you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. She's in the GOP. She's a neocon. She wants war so badly, mm-hmm. she's like salivating. Like you can see the saliva like drip from her chin when she talks about war. I mean, you've got even like, like the current president, our current president is not in the GOP. He's rooted firmly in the Democratic Party, but he's neocon-ish when it comes to war. I mean, he, these, these neocons, neoconservatives, that is just, I'm using that term as a blanket term for people, for people on both sides that want war. Yeah. I think our country, I think everybody just kind of wants war. You know, the 20th century was such a nasty century in terms of bloodshed. It's like 200, 240 million people died due to human decision-making through war and conflict. And in the 21st century, we're at 1.1 million. So we're at 1 million now. I mean, I can say 2 million. It's yeah. somewhere, it's somewhere, I mean, it's probably 1.2, could be two. But last century, the century that you and I were born in, 230 to 240 million. It's out of control. And we have had such a sustained amount of peace. I feel like we're waking up from the long nap. And there's been my life, I mean, I did not fight in Afghanistan or Iraq for lots of reasons. It's not because I'm not, not patriotic. It's not because I don't want to go in the military. I, there's a large part of me that wanted to go into the military when I was in high school. But my mom said no because my dad Frank was kind of, indirectly killed 
not indirectly, like directly killed from Agent Orange and all that stuff. And like the US government sprayed it on him. So my mom was like, the US government killed your father. So, you know, there's more than a kernel of truth in that. But so now I wasn't really allowed to go enlist. But you had friends that did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I know a lot of people who fought in those conflicts. By the way, we call them the Iraqi war, the Afghan war. We spent trillions of dollars doing that. And all of, all of it was driven by, what, a commander in chief? Hundred percent. With no declaration of war from Congress. No. When when was the last time Congress declared a war? Was it World War II? It, I think so, because I don't think we ever declared for Korea. I know we didn't for Vietnam. And I know we didn't for the Gulf War. So this yeah, is. I, I would say World War II by FDR. Okay. And then Congress approved. Yeah. On December eighth. 1941, the day after Pearl Harbor. Okay. I believe. All right. Somewhere so maybe we're going to do it. I, I just feel like history is going to repeat itself. Why do humans, why are humans unable to remember the sins of the past and act accordingly? Because it's, it's one thing to know the history, but it's another thing that when you're in a similar situation again, why does this happen? I, I don't know. I, I mean... At this point, we've looked at a lot of human history, and is it just, is it human nature? Is this, is this the makeup? I mean, go back to Mesopotamia, go back to Samaria and all this. I mean, there's conflict. Look in the Bible. I mean, there's, you know, if you want to use the Bible as history, there's conflict. I mean, look at these holy wars and the crusades. I mean, it, it, it never stops, and it just seems that, Somebody always has to get even with somebody or somebody always wants what somebody else has. I mean, you know, back in more ancient history times, people are fighting over land. I mean, there's no more land. I mean, it's all dispersed unless someone's planning to take Antarctica at this point. But, I mean, there's no more land. So I, I don't know what the issue is. I mean, it's got to be money-driven, of course. I mean, I think for the United States, oil plays a massive part in our allegiances, obviously. But... Um, I, I personally think if things don't turn course, we are headed towards a global conflict. I don't want to say World War III. That those, are, those are scary words. But at the very least, a, a, go, a global conflict. Do you expect this to happen in, in our lifetime? I expect it to happen within are you the 40? next 10 years. I am 40. Within turn, the next 10 years. Did you turn 40 this year? Yeah. I'll be 41 in March. Okay, so you're 40. So if you live to 80, by the way, I, I really hope you do. <laughs> so too. 40 more years. So this idea of in 40 years, what year would it be? 10, 10 60, or 2063, 10. I'm doing the math in my head, so that's why I get the 10. But uh, that's a long time from now. Um, I really hope I'm around. That would put me at 86. That would put my kids at a certain age where they wouldn't have to be drafted. You know, we still have a volunteer military. We do. What do you think? Do you do you think there'll be another draft someday? Considering the labor component, we got a labor problem in this country. Considering everyone likes to work remote, yeah. do you think we're ever gonna have another draft? I want to say no. I lean towards no. But I, but I don't think you can know in, in, until we see what the conflict looks like. 
because when you look at World War One and the technology, it's like the first war with automatic weapons and you know prehistoric tanks. And by the time you get to World War Two, technology has just massively increased. We got Panzer tanks, you know, the the weapons, the guns, and then obviously you know the A bomb. And then as we move into today, I mean. Have you ever seen the size of like the the first atom bomb that was dropped? It's as big as this room. It's okay. massive. They have them now that are as big as your fist. I mean, they can just be put in a backpack. I mean, it's are it, those and they're twenty times pow- more powerful? Oh, really? Oh, they're yeah. not they're not the tactical yeah. nukes. They're the actual like like the big ones. Yeah, we're 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 in a time of it's scary. And who do you think that people wouldn't drop nuclear weapons on the United States? Because I don't think that they wouldn't. I think Iran would right now if they could. I think North Korea, outside of Dennis Rodman's home, would probably be dropping nukes anytime they could. I mean, China probably at the same time, but they would be more tactful about it. I, th- I don't think Iran and, and North Korea would be tactful at all. I think they would just do what they want. How, um, how safe is Quincy from a nuclear attack? Like, let's just assume, let's assume there was a nuclear attack. Man, this is some dark stuff. It is dark. Um, why is my mind so dark right now? This is terrible. Uh, I, I think it's the state of the world. Yeah, actually, I, I feel like my mind is full of light, but I, I'm paying attention to my surroundings. I like to think that's what the case is. How insulated do you think Quincy is from a, from a nuclear attack? I think very, because the closest major metropolitan is probably St. Louis that would even be targeted. And that's, what, 90 miles plus? I, I still think, regardless of our ability in war, of being what it was in World War II, maybe being the supreme superpower, the United States is still impossible to invade. I mean, everybody's got guns. It's massive. I mean, can how I, are you going to Can I ask you a question middle? that you need to pass on? Sure. Should Americans have AR-15s? Pass. See, you're a very smart man. Mm. Don't ever answer questions that require very... Um, politically tough answers. I mean, I do have a, an opinion on that, but, you know. There's no reason to share it. It's not going to help anybody. Um, so I do want to um, turn my last question for the pod. I do want to turn back to family for, for a second. Okay. Because we, we talked about the world for a little bit. We talked about the, the United States. We talked about China and Iran. We talked about the, the stuff that's going on in the world. That's the stuff that we just talked about. I'm going to take it back for the last question of the pod. What do you think a person in Quincy or Carthage should do if they want to achieve their goals, be successful, and keep their family together? That's a really hard question. I mean, for me, you know, anybody that knew me in my 20s, I'm not the same person. You know, I, I... I had to change my habits. Um, you know, I had to change my habits to become more mentally and physically healthy. Um, but it, it's it's all about drive. Um, you know, I am a two-time college dropout, and I'm going to go and get a PhD. Um, I anybody who knew me during my 20s would have crazy stories, and they would say, "How is that guy a principal at school?" You know, but I think the the adage is true. I mean, you can do anything that you want to do, but it's not going to be easy. And and 
I love the saying, I can't, I can do hard things because life's hard every single day. I uh, had insomnia last night, was got up at 3 a.m. this morning and I'm Cause exhausted. Because of, of this podcast. No, just, I just <laughs> was struggling to sleep. Then the baby got up at 4.30 and you know what? I went to work, I did my job and then I'm gonna go home, be a dad, I'll be up as late as I normally am and then go to bed. It's, it's all about priorities. I mean, if your priorities are to go to the bar every day, then you're probably not going to accomplish as much as the person is whose priorities are to build their empire every day. When I say build an empire, it's not like, you know, the evil empire at Star Wars or something like that. I'm just talking about your personal empire, your family unit. So are you building for retirement? Are you building for a job? Are you educating yourself? You have to invest in yourself and it's, it's hard. It, it is not easy. And it comes with a lot of uh, tough decisions. And sometimes you just have to make a tough decision. Are you ever going to quit? No. You're going to keep going? I'm probably never going to retire. Can anything stop you? My wife. Thanks, Brandon. Hey, thank you very much. See you later.